Hey, what's up, guys? This is Zach. And I'm Justin. And welcome to The Other Film Guys, where we will this week be joined by friend of the show, former guest of the show, and dear lover of mine, <laughs> Scarletto Simonos. Oh my god, I'm back again. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what's up? What's up? <laughs> All right, we are back at it this week. Uh, we are talking about some more Robert Pattinson. Uh, not quite finishing up. We'll get to that later on in this episode. But just before we do get into it, I do want to remind everybody to go ahead and rate and review our show everywhere you listen to podcasts. It helps people find our show and lets us know how we're doing. So we don't think that we're just stinky doo-doo heads. I mean, I might somewhat think that anyway. But, you know, Rude. all support is appreciated. Uncalled for. <laughs> all right. So... This week, like I said, Scarlett is joining us, and I wanted to talk about perhaps why. So, Scarlett, please let the viewers know. Enlighten was, us. Enlighten us. What was your first experience like with this movie? Because I know what it's like, but I want the viewers and Justin to have the whole story here. Okay, okay. Um. So, tangent time. I'm so sorry, guys, but it's going to be like five minutes. If you don't want to hear it, just skip like five minutes. Um. This is my favorite movie of literally all time. And when, okay, I'm so sorry, but two years ago, I was in a really bad relationship with this girl for like five years, went terrible, you know how it is. And we, um, we broke up on New Year's Eve and I was just so miserable. I was broken. I, um, wanted to, yeah. So I tried to like, try to find myself again. And so. I was getting back into film, which was something that she hated. She didn't like it, surprisingly. So um, I went out and I found like the most <laughs> art housey, which I mean, it it is art house, but to like a normie standard, I think. But um, art housey, weird, something she would totally fucking hate. Um, and I found this because I found the uh, Hark monologue that Defoe did. And I thought it was wonderful. So I immediately bought it, turned off the lights may or may not have popped like three tabs of acid and then just fucking went from there (laughs) and and just full send full send it changed my fucking life and when i got on tinder and i messaged zach first i was like hey like film bro shit like (laughs) you (laughs) like you look like a film bro uh my favorite (laughs) and my favorite was the lighthouse like what was your favorite movie and he told me that, like, that's the only reason that he even messaged me back. Because what did you say? You, you thought I was, like, out of your league or something? Oh, way out of my league. Oh, <laughs> That's sweet. So, like, in a way, like, this movie turned the worst time of my life into the absolute best. So I have such, like, a, a deep love for this movie and a deep appreciation. And it's just fucking incredible. Not even, like, from that perspective, but it's just an amazing movie. Like... So I'm really excited to talk about it with you guys. There's a great sense of irony in in it being a great time for you because it's not a good time overall in the movie, I would say. Like nobody's <laughs> having a all. good time at all. No, yeah. But but it's that's great. I mean, that's great that art can do that in general, you know what I'm saying? And provide perspective. So and I do see what you say whenever 
you know, because I feel like this is not a movie maybe for like general audiences, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, even the first time I watched it, it was, I don't know, extremely ambiguous and like hard to make heads or tails of anything, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. um, it very much is. Um, did So the first time I saw it, I saw it in theaters. Did you see it in theaters, Justin? Mm-hmm, sure did. Okay. I went with one of our old co-workers from Academy. His name was Josh. He hated this movie. Hated it so much. <laughs> and I like we we left the theater and there's this pizza place out by the AMC that's over down by there. Yeah, yeah. And and we went there and I was just like for the for, for like the first like 30 minutes after the movie because he didn't say anything really at first. And I was just like raving about how much I loved it, like the relationship, like the identity crisis that's going on, and just right. the. And then after like thirty minutes of ranting about, it, he was like, "Yeah, that's really cool. I fucking hated that shit." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, did he? Did he elaborate? I think he did, but honestly, I don't. I don't even think I listened. <laughs> I feel you. I mean, I I can agree. Like the movie is pretty fire. I, I was when I watched it this go round. I was. Maybe not in the exact mind state that Scarlett may or may not have been when she first watched it, <laughs> but I Don't was lie. definitely- Your letterbox review is public. <laughs> it, go go read the review if you want to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so I was already in a vibe when I watched it, and the movie is- it's horrifying, right? Like, it actually is scary, but I don't think in the general- Right the general way you know what i mean that probably more general audiences would be more or less expecting i'm trying to remember what marketing for this movie was like and what kind of vibe it gave off it was definitely marketed as like a like a horror like sort of like um i mean everyone got like shining vibes from it i could see that i could see like maybe like a silent film type it 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 very much looks that way um but i i mean it is a horror but i could see all genres in it i love that Agreed. about it it's definitely like, a yeah, it's hilarious it's so funny it's a rom-com it is funny <laughs> a rom-com I, it, it's a it's a rom-com yeah Prove i can me see wrong <laughs> i i i could i could see the rom-com ish in there it's definitely funny and the romance is kind of sad but <laughs> yeah they're fucking hilarious to watch like the first time Willem Dafoe farts in front of Robert Pattinson <laughs> and like the look on his face is like bruh one of, four weeks of this one of my favorite parts is like when they're just like sitting in the room together and he's like what what and they just go back and forth what fucking guys what? man <laughs> they're perfect together they're, they're perfect yeah, the, together the chemistry is literally insane it makes me so sad that I don't think we're gonna see like Willem Dafoe as the Joker because he would have been the perfect Joker to Pattinson's like movies. Pattinson's Batman. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but I mean, like Willem can play pretty much. He's kind of similar to Pattinson in where he's kind of chameleon and he, you know, yeah. really just morphs into whatever role he's playing. But Willem has the ability to, I don't know, maintain some type of consistency i guess in his performances whether it's like in his voice the way he speaks or like just like his physicality um but regardless they both really know how to lean into their characters and to me they both take at least i know willem does it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me if robert does 
um, that they both take acting as like a challenge. And when they look for roles, they look for roles that are, that will, you know, kind of expand their game in a way. So this movie has two highly, highly talented actors who, who want to keep exploring their craft. You know what I mean? Two actors that I would put in like the greatest of all time, especially, I mean, let alone that, but like working today, especially. And there, there is, there aren't, two names that will get me as excited for a movie i don't think as willem dafoe and robert pattinson oh yeah uh, willem dafoe has been my favorite actor for years and i i can't even think of like a bad performance that he's done genuinely what's the what's the first willem dafoe movie you remember seeing oh man for me it was spider-man same i think maybe life aquatic I okay, think. Wes Anderson. Yeah, and then Spider-Man, and then, um, oh my god, why am I blanking right now? <laughs> Didn't we watch Life Aquatic together, though? I've seen it before. Oh, you saw it before? Okay, yeah. I did not know that. But I know he has, like, a bunch of credit, acting credits, so I could see why, you know, you'd kind of, like, too many to come up with, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. my god, yeah. Um, well, I feel like a lot of people, especially from our generation, their first intro to him is Spider-Man, because, I mean, it's a it's a younger film that uh, you you'll see when you're like a little bit younger is what I mean. Um, it's a great foray into the, the spiral that you'll have going through his other filmography. I mean, just like looking at a few of them, uh, we got, I mean, we have this, um, American psycho. He's, Oh, that's right. Wonderful. And yes, um, he's in John wick. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. The first the, one. The Florida Project, Finding Nemo. He's <laughs> he's the hot fish. That might have been all of our first <laughs> foray into Willem Dafoe. <laughs> hey, for real though. Yeah, we just didn't know it. <laughs> Nemo came out post Spider Man, actually. So No way, really? Yeah, two thousand three. Oh, okay. Dang. Same and then right. um who can ever forget his role in the Fault in Our Stars, of course. Does he play the author? Like the really sour ugly author the one that they go see peter have you ever van seen houten. that movie yeah peter van houten yeah okay all right uh and then he's in some movies that i have not seen um i haven't seen platoon or antichrist uh those are two that i really that really love to see that movie looks scary yeah you know what he's great in he's great in the boondock saints i've never seen that he's one of the saints right like one no. of the two no no he is uh he's Paul Smecker, which I think is like I think he's a cop that's like investigating the Saints or whatever, or something like that. I haven't seen it in a long time. But I was actually just gonna say like that and he's gay in that movie too. So he nice. he has two separate movies where he plays a gay cop. The Boondock Saints and American Psycho. Heck yeah. Let's go. I'm looking but at yeah. some more recent stuff. Uh forgot he was an Aquaman. And I still yeah, haven't seen at Eternity's Gate. He's the mentor. But yeah, he has a lot of movies. Who could ever forget? I know it's it's from his SNL ni- dialogue, and I didn't even know it. He's in Speed 2. <laughs> he was like, I, I was in Speed 2, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't There's even know that they made it. Yeah, I didn't even know that there was a second <laughs> one, let alone that Willem Dafoe was in it. <laughs> what this is brand new information i had no idea there was a sequel to speed there you go drunk commentary right there 
Facts. Have you ever seen Speed? The movie's fire. Never have. Oh, you know what? Keanu another... Reeves. Oh man, yes. Um, another great movie, The Last Temptation of Christ. Yep, that's incredible. You're right. Yeah, we, it, we've talked exactly. about it on the show. Good episode. Back in the spirituality <laughs> series. Great episode. Go check it out. And that good shout out right there. That seems like one of his probably more like not forgotten. I want to say, but probably more like maybe like pushed under the rug a little bit type of performances. Yeah, I feel like so. Mm-hmm. Not to say it's bad because he's fantastic in it, but maybe just for, I don't know, optics, I guess. And I'm sure that movie today would probably make some people uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a miracle it was made to, made to begin with. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, it I, It was banned, I think, for a while. We talked about that in the episode. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe not banned, but like definitely, you know, restricted in its audiences right for sure yeah um yeah i i think i think none of us can state it enough how great of an actor willem dafoe is and with robert Pattinson, you know this movie just bumps it up to a different level indeed and i can i like how you can tell in the movie like right away what the power dynamics are going to be like um because as soon as they're on on the on the rock the island uh, Pattinson's the only one carrying all the stuff. Granted, he is his subordinate, but I mean, still, he ain't gonna carry one bag. Um, and uh, and again, just the blatant lack of respect for boundaries that this man Willem Dafoe has, and how he won't, you know, trade ships with him to guard the light. Which I really liked. I really liked the presentation. The light's mine. I really liked that that like mystique behind the light. And to me, like it really added that element of, I don't know, like surrealism, I guess you could say. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I definitely agree. Um oh, what was I? I remember fuck. Y'all keep talking. I'm trying to find a note real quick that's really <laughs> that actually you know what? This. I have one point that I wanted to bring up in this. The rest was all going to be freeform. I want to show you how this is a Disney movie. Please don't. <clears throat> I forgot to watch that thing that you told me to watch. Damn. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So the thing that I'm Mistake. telling you about, not the same thing, but oh. um, it's the Step Brothers trailer that is edited to be like the lighthouse. It's incredible. I think it's one of my favorite videos on the internet. What I'm talking about is actually, um, so one of the production companies for this movie is New Regency, and New Regency is a breakout of Fox Entertainment Group. Who owns Fox, Justin? Nice. The Mouse. The Lighthouse is a Disney movie. It's not as complicated as I thought that was going to be, or dramatic. Why isn't it on Disney Plus? Why is it not on Disney Plus? Legitimately. No, fuck the mouse. Biggest question. Fuck the mouse. Public opinion. Yeah, co-signed. Do you see uh, Disney is supporting every um, supporter and co-supporter of the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida? But in the same sentence, they're committing to showing more LGBTQ plus stories. So what the fuck? Yeah, man. It's all window dressing. It's, That's all it ever is with these people. Yeah, it's so performative, like, it, and transparent. I hate the mouse so much. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah, 
This is a anti-corporate podcast. <laughs> if if y'all ain't picked up the vibe in our episodes Fuck so em. far, straight up, yeah, it's all performative with those people. There's nothing genuine from them. So, but I mean, they'll keep making shit, and you know, people will keep watching. Sometimes they'll make good stuff, but it's they are they are bad, just bad. Yeah. Did you find your notes, um, Scarlet? <clears throat> Yes. So, um, I really, I think the overall theme of this movie would be like the power dynamic that they do have. Um, and I just, (laughs) I just want to go over some scenes that really show that. And I think is really hilarious. Um, the one where he just is so struggling to carry up this huge oil drum (laughs) up the fucking stairs. And as soon as he get up there, um, (laughs) Willem's Defoe is like, could have just taken this uh, small one and like get back down there, dog. And like, <laughs> oh my god, that's a good shout out. I forgot about that. And now that you also say that, I actually want to point out that we've all been incorrect this entire episode. About it's William Defoe, not Willem Defoe. Oh yeah, from that Conan sketch. Yep. I don't get so, it. So his Willem Defoe's actual name is William. And the pronunciation of his last name is actually Defoe. Defoe. But he had a childhood friend who couldn't say William, so just always just called him Willem, and it caught on. And as That's far cool. as his pronunciation, he was like, half of the family says Defoe, half of it says Defoe. I think Defoe sounds better, so that's what I went with. I think he also said that at like, doctor's offices and stuff, they'll be like, oh, Defoe? David? (laughs) (laughs) David. That makes me think of, um, I recently saw this video where apparently we've all been saying Denzel Washington's name wrong this whole time. He he pronounces it as Denzel, whereas everybody else says Denzel. Denzel? Denzel. That heard straight from the man himself. That is, okay, that is abhorrently disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) yeah denzel washington is my guy what a pair that would be denzel and william denzel and william defoe what i need it that is the casting i i didn't know i needed that should be the cat that should be the cast for pta's next film because he wants to he wants to work with denzel oh my god that would be amazing i'd love to see a pta and denzel washington movie and defoe Oh my god! I want to see like a Shakespearean reboot with them. That I want to be... see. I want to see them do Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> Willem is Romeo. Denzel is Juliet. You don't think it'd be the other way around? Yeah, I could see Maybe. it be the other way around. Maybe. Honestly, I'm with that makes, on that, that one. That makes, yeah. that makes more sense. Defo, he would be the Juliet, definitely, and he'd be willing too. He would. He, that would be his suggestion. He'd be like, "Please let me be Juliet." That makes the most sense in the world. Let's talk about this movie. <laughs> well, and, and we've been talking a lot of, about a lot of things other than Robert Pattinson, and this is in fact the Robert Pattinson series. So let's move on to him. I mean, I'm, okay. I know that me and you, Justin, we've been talking about Robert Pattinson a lot. Scarlet, Robert Pattinson. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Uh Zach last year got me a phone case with like five of my Hollywood boyfriends on there, and you know, Robert motherfucking Pattinson was who right all, in the middle. Who all was it? It was Robert Pattinson. It Willem was, Dafoe. It of was course. Dafoe. 
It was Keanu Reeves. Uh huh. It was, hold on, Al Pacino. Al Pacino, yes. <laughs> and Jack Nicholson. And Jack, those are wow. My- that is a lineup right that a, there. That is a great casting. Uh- <laughs> Shout out to that. Shout out to your Mount Rushmore. That was those were all <laughs> solid names, back to back to back. I I approve of these Hollywood boyfriends. <laughs> what do you think of of Robert? Are you kidding? Like, I kind of I love the chemistry between both of them, and I think they're similar in the way that they both go out and do really weird really artsy stuff but they can also do a blockbuster and i mean they're just true artists like honestly i don't think i've seen a bad performance from panson either what do you, you call what, what what do you think about his twilight performances I'm just okay. curious okay um to be fair have you have you even seen them i've seen the first one okay um, uh, okay and i it has you know it's Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it starts with a P. Like, never mind, never mind. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a uh, polarizing. Oh, but, yes, um, yes, yeah. He's just a kid, and also I think he does okay. Yes. Like, I don't know. What do y'all think? I think he's. I think he's great. I mean, I I have not seen Twilight since they first came out. My parents made me read the books before watching them, and I did like the books. They were good um movies i I feel like i actually probably need to rewatch them before i comment more on them honestly like i don't know but they're not as bad as everyone says they are also i hate that that's like his fucking legacy now yeah like i'll bring up um the lighthouse and the new batman to people and literally everybody's been like oh is that that edward cullen guy (laughs) fuck (laughs) off have y'all even seen good time it's like (laughs) Let me let me ask you this then. Between this performance and the performance in Good Time, you know which one, which one would, which one do you prefer? Not to say which one is better. Which one do you prefer? Which one do you like more? You know what I mean. I would have to give it to this one. Just like okay. reading about the work that they both went into and like how they worked with like dialect coaches and I mean it's just everything about it is so wonderful and like mesmerizing. By the end of it, I was. It's not many a time that after a movie ends, I sit stunned, just completely cannot move. But this is one of them. Like, I I have to give it up to this one. <laughs> How about you guys? That? Hell yeah. I'm This performance all the way. I love him in Good Time, and I think he's great in High Life. But out of the three movies that we've been talking about in this series, this, this, this takes the cake for me. I'm going to say this one's probably the most difficult performance that he had of the three yes just because i mean if i'm thinking about the environment that they filmed in this like dark damp dank place that they shot in which they built specifically for the movie they built that lighthouse for the movie and i think there was like naturally like pretty shitty weather there as well that they had to deal with yeah um even like outside of shooting um and so like just the conditions they were in and really just, you know, the solitude that's going to come with this movie and how it's all pretty much shot in one setting. Whereas in Good Time, he's like on the move a lot. It's extremely physical. And in this one as well, you mentioned the dialect. The dialect is probably one of my... At first, when I first watched the movie, I was like, I don't know what the fuck these people are fucking saying. Yeah, you really need subtitles. (laughs) Yes, yes. Subtitles are crucial for this movie. Because the first time I was like, 
I don't know if I liked it or not because I didn't know what they were saying half the time. <laughs> and so this time around, you know, with the subtitles, definitely makes a huge difference. And just the way that they that they both, you know, perform their accents and the way Pattinson delivers the dialect, it's all like very natural. And the things that he can communicate without saying anything at times. Like I love, I love the expression on his face when he first finds the little mermaid figurine and he like tucks it away in his coat. Like I love how he's able to just kind of express wordlessly that he just, that he found something of interest to him and obviously became, you know, an obsession, but you know, just the way he accepts that and takes that. And it's like, kind of like how Defoe is with the light is kind of how he is with the mermaid figurine. Like this is mine. And you know the mermaid I mean? later on. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean like during the, like he doesn't have, that much dialogue in the beginning um mm -hmm. but you could just tell his entire like he just shows a full range of emotions with just his face and that's just amazing um but yeah going back to like the shitty weather conditions it was intense i remember reading that like they had to refilm uh robert pattinson walking to the ocean like 25 times just because it was so <laughs> shitty outside Ugh. and the equipment kept failing because of all the moisture and um at the Ugh. at the end when he's basically fucking burying Willem Dafoe um and he's giving that monologue and all this dirt and shit is going into his n nose into his mouth oh yeah um he had to lay in that water in that like stale water and it was just freezing it was cold and like god the shit that they went through for this i can't even imagine man it all paid off though because oh, yeah. it it uh was legit like i really love the setting um you can tell that they're in close proximity too close proximity with each other the entire time and i just feel like you know again that lack of boundary with each other that it, it creates this tension that is constant throughout the entire movie you know what i mean Oh yeah. Yes. Tension that fuels the fuels the movie, fuels most of their conflicts with each other, the way they speak to each other. Um, like I love whenever, you know, <laughs> um Pattinson first kind of fights back at Defoe's character. Uh something Defoe's talk, talking about something about like drinking and and how yeah, drinking it's the toast. keeps people. Yes, yeah. And then Pattinson's like, yeah, it makes you fucking dumb. <laughs> and like you could tell he was like not really kidding when he said it but but you know the foe laughed at it like ha, ha, ha. and just that that tense moment that tension that came before it and right when he said that and then just that release afterwards of laughing um it was great there are moments like that scattered throughout the movie oh yeah <clears throat> i mean <clears throat> excuse me i want to talk about bro. I mean, it's all, it's already been talked about by Scarlett, but I mean, I think the scene of this movie is the Promethean curse that oh. Willem Dafoe gives. Yes. Oh, my God. I remember I saw the clip of that, and I mean, it came out before the, I think before the movie had even come out, and I was just like, holy fucking shit. It's extremely theatrical. It's It's the exact kind of scene that the movie I think like begs for in that moment. Cause and they're just talking about something as simple as him not liking his cooking. <laughs> and he's so sincere. Yeah. He's so sincerely hurt that he just full fledged, like <laughs> yeah, just curses him like actually. And I mean, I think I read that Robert Egger said that 
he didn't blink once during nope. that two minute monologue like oh my god and the thunder crashing right as he says hark it's the sound oh. design in this movie and the editing especially yes. holy shit magnifique I've been wanting to shout out the sound design because, you know, I love the way the lighthouse just creaks and, you know, them dancing on the floorboards, them walking. It just, the movie just sounds fantastic. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it was Mike Mills who said it. He was doing some, he was, it was on the A24 podcast with David Byrne. And he was talking about how he thinks like in black and white movies, sound is, is so much more important. Like sound makes up for the lack of color in a way. And I, I think I 100% like agree with that. Like, I think every black and white movie I've seen has had pretty spectacular sound work, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yes, I agree. Sound is like, I don't know. You and I have talked about it before, you know, yeah. with projects that we're working on. The sound is what really, to me, sound is what creates the immersion into whatever world you're trying to orchestrate like you can throw up whatever you know nice imagery you want but you know i don't know as an audience member when you got the volume turned up or you got your headphones on and you can hear the world that you're supposed to be in to me that makes the work all the more transportive so yeah i you know i also agree with that statement as well and that i think also kind of goes back to that one of the very first points that scarlet made um whenever she mentioned that it had the vibe of a much older movie. And of course, like you can say that, yeah, because it's black and white, but you know, along with being black and white, it had these other qualities that yeah. uh, older films had as well, like strong sound design, like big theatrical performances, like Willem Dafoe has, and that score, that score as well, you know, <gasps> something we that is emphasized. We'll yes. talk about the score. One thing I, I really want to do want to talk about because we've mentioned equipment a couple of times, so that makes it feel older. I mean, they shot this mm -hmm. with like really old, equipment like old film stock it's uh black and white 35 millimeter um with like some really vintage lenses put on the cameras as well to go ahead and you know like capture like the feel of that time as well as just you know like putting you in that time so it just like feels mm -hmm. like it and i mean it's a it's a dirty movie it's it's grainy as hell yes i love it so much i love I the aspect ratio the so much watching it mm -hmm. yeah it's just fucking incredible. Um, what were we about to transition to? I, I the made score. It. The score. Yes. So good. Who does oh. it? Who does the score for this? It is Mark Corvin. He did the score for The Witch as well. And the newest. Is he doing resident? it for The Northman? I'm not sure. I'm not seeing it on his letterbox credits. Um, he did the newest Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. <laughs> nice. And Bill's got to be paid, fam. Bill's got to get paid. Who is doing the Northman score? Because um, I watched an interview with Robert Eggers, and he said that he recently heard the the mixed and mastered version that they're going to press on vinyl, and that it is supposed to be really good. The Fuck score yeah. is done by... Oh, man. I can't find it. Robert, Carolyn, and Sebastian Gainsborough. So I guess two people or something along those lines. That's what Wikipedia has. Talking about composers reminds me of that article that I tried to read. I was at work, but it was just like a mile long. And I was like, I can't do this. But about um, how composers oh. be taken, you know, credit for Ghost. like literally like dozens of 
and dozens of musicians that and how know, Hans Zimmer is one of the it. worst offenders too. Yes, yes, and that, that article is pretty eye opening because you know when it mentioned yeah. that there's only like you can probably count on one hand the amount of composers who like sit down and like actually write the music themselves and orchestrate it and you know do the work like that was like really surprising. I was like, you mean this whole fucking time we've been crediting people who like don't really deserve it? I had no I mean? idea. Same. It's, it's incredible. That only that just makes you think about the uh, all the other various aspects and departments of film where it's like that. Well, what yeah, I mean what a lot of people don't talk about assistant editors and how much work that they actually do in in film. Especially Definitely like see that. especially in like um like more high-end movies like like fucking like table assembly movies like the Disney's yeah. and everything else like that. There's another department, CGI is another one we talked about that That's one. That's a big one. Oh my yeah. goodness, yeah. A gross one. Um so I should say shout out to the person who did this score and all the other artists that, you know, put the work into it because it really is also a key element to making this feel like a movie that you could watch in, I don't know, say maybe like the 40s or 40s or 50s. And but also, you know, keeping it on this level where it's still through the eye of a contemporary filmmaker. You know what I mean? Almost like a love letter to horror films of that age, if that makes any sense. Oh, makes yeah. complete sense yeah yeah i just the way that um the foghorn just bellows oh and yeah it's so haunting and the it's like bombastic when it needs to be it's soft when it needs to be it's um but it's constant it's like always there yeah yeah it it's amazing i agree and the way the waves crash onto the island um the water <laughs> um was gonna mention an inappropriate moment <laughs> but there's like several inappropriate moments in this movie. it's very 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 weird um an incredibly we like weird here. movie yep to say the least um one other aspect i want to shout out is we've talked about the black and white aspect something else that i think also also helps it is a lot of black and white movies like contemporary black and white movies they don't, I feel like, make a huge use of, of shadows. And in black and white movies, you know, back in the day, like that was that was their their color, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Like they had the score, they had strong sound design, and they had to use shadows to express, you know, dramatic elements and emphasis and focus. Um, this movie makes incredible use of shadows and the minimal light that goes into it. Like I love when uh, Pattinson is looking up into the light and it's like kind of spinning and it's just kind of circling on his face um and also when he's like outside on the island and it's dark and you can just see the moon just kind of like shining on this like black abyss that is the ocean um really great stuff shout out to the cinematographer whoever that was because you went off man <laughs> yeah for, you know that's a great point with the shadows because there's some shots of um defoe and pattinson and different ones where all you could see is just their eyes. And I think yes. during the Hark monologue, I mean, during the end of it, you could really only see Defoe's eyes and it's so surreal. And it's just, oh, dude. <laughs> also makes speechless. me think like, if I'm putting it like in their perspective as well, because, you know, I'm, this is all done through their point of view, you would assume, you know, that's just kind of what they see 
in each other in a way. It's so dark in there. All they can make out is each other's eyes. And to me, that adds to the to the distrust that's there between them or really between Pattinson, I should say. I don't know if Defoe, his only motivation, Defoe's seems to be the light. Um, and keeping it in his own hands. Yes, indeed. Which that moment when Pattinson does get to the light, that that moment is a is a genuinely like oh god i want this to stop <laughs> moment bro it was so great because i was watching it with i watched this movie with my brother and my roommate and uh which was a lot of fun like this movie was fun to watch um with you know with people and uh and we got to that moment and <laughs> it you you know it's a good scene in a movie when you're watching it with other people and usually my brother and I or me will like kind of make jokes the whole time. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a good scene whenever it comes up and like everyone shuts the fuck up. And, it's just silence. Yeah. Yes. Silence. And you can tell like nobody's blinking. <laughs> Our complete focus is on this moment. And as soon as the moment ended, it was like the whole room finally like breathed. And I don't know what it was like for you guys watching that moment, but that, that scene where he gets into the light and it just, the sound design again goes off in that scene specifically. Um, yeah, that I, I don't know what type of impact that scene had on you guys, but to me, it was the culmination of all the weirdness and horror and just strangeness that they were going through beforehand. Yeah. I feel the same way. What about you? Yeah, no, I was the exact same. I was there just stunned, dude. And at this point, the, you know, the hypothetical acid was wearing off. So I was just. <laughs> I was just sitting there, just could not move. Like, um, the lights get distorted. Um, the yes. audio's all blown out. It was batshit. Yes. It was so great. I love how, like, bright they shown it on him, too. Yes. Just incredible. Incredible Definitely, work. It was, I would say, it. I, I like how they constructed the movie because to me that's definitely the scariest moment of the movie and they save it for pretty much like pretty much the very end um, yeah I, I i enjoyed that that definitely again goes back to me saying you know just the culmination of everything and everything before was you know unsettling weird creepy for sure and you know definitely scary but that moment was like it was it was very it was very i'm always hesitant to use this word but it was very Lynchian. It specifically made me think of Lost Highway. I don't know if either of you have seen that. We have not. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting to buy the the Criterion like, for it. The cover looks gorgeous. I'm I think buy it's it just for the cover. I don't think that's the actual cover because it said art uh, to be decided. Oh, lame. Well, it should be because it looked fantastic. But very if you watch that movie, then I I feel like you would agree because <laughs> yeah, just that imagery and the sound was like what the fuck is going on right now <laughs> <laughs> no i could definitely see lynchian i also thought it was pretty um lovecraftian too yeah um, absolutely and um i just you know had a question for you guys what do you think the light represented and what do you think that he saw in there if you had to give an interpretation zach you go first <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah shit i'm with you on that yeah i See, it's, this, what, it's the same thing when people ask me like about Pulp Fiction, like what, what, like what was in the briefcase? Doesn't matter. Don't matter. We just know that it's this enchanting thing. Everybody, like whoever has it, wants that and only that. 
And I think that's all we need to know. See, one of the things that was talked about during my screening of it between my brother and my roommate was they kept trying to figure out like who was quote unquote crazy. Like, who, or, you know, what exactly was happening? You know, is Robert, Pat, are Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe the same person? Um, is it just Robert Pattinson who's crazy? Are they both real? Like, what's happening? And I don't know. Like, that stuff is, like, I. it's extremely ambiguous, but it's like, I, I don't know. Like, does it really matter exactly which of those is happening? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about trying to decode it like that because i don't know to me i'm just trying to enjoy the the overall experience and focus on really the feeling that the movie is trying to deliver you know what i'm saying instead of getting caught up on like story mechanics or plot points if that makes yeah. sense or definite answers or anything i get it right right yeah and me i'm like i'm a guy i'm like fuck explaining we don't explain fucking <laughs> nothing around here uh literally we don't we just we do what we do and like period that's it i don't gotta explain nothing and that's how i feel about movies like i'm like don't shit need to be explained like you just like david lynch he doesn't explain nothing nothing gets explained in his shit elaborate on that amazing no that is that is the perfect encapsulation of just him as a filmmaker in general because he guy doesn't explain nothing but i find him to be so fascinating and i really love his work and i feel like it's very impressionable upon me which is also probably why i feel like robert eggers is a very impressionable influence on myself because i just find so much similarity between the two and how they just focus more on feeling and imagery rather than rather than explaining things i remember after this movie first came out i I know that me and you both talked about like creating something that was like of similar like sort of vibe and that's still in the works i promise you still in the works and yeah like i i i recently came to that conclusion that he was a big influence on me because i saw you had tweeted something about four filmmakers that had left a mark on you and i was like who's that for me and and i found myself putting lynch and eggers in that role you are i want to guess uh i mean we already know lynch and eggers i think there's a little bit of scorsese in you oh yeah and trying to think of a fourth but it's kind of hard to pin can i say it go for it i like kelly reichardt the way she incorporates nature i should i i should have fucking gone for that with comfort (laughs) yeah yeah no i I 100% see that yeah those four are i i think a good good uh what's the word impression or representation of how I see film and art and what really speaks to me. So this movie was like totally my jam. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, Eggers and, uh, and I mean, we're not talking about him here, but I mean, Ari Aster is another one that has sort of similar mm-hmm. vibes who is, a, I mean, he's not like someone that I see like as like someone who's like films that I would like try to, or like career that I would try to replicate. Cause I don't think I have the, the skills that, you know, like he has, but, um, it, it's one that inspires me so much I, after seeing, you know, like hereditary in the lighthouse or, and uh Midsommar, Midsommar. sorry. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, you know, the whole time I'm, or afterwards, I'm just like, this makes me just want to fucking make a movie. And that to me, I feel the same exact way, but about Eggers and yeah. I definitely, yeah. I mean, Eggers does too. That's 
So, yeah. I, they're very, I, I'm with you. To me, they're two of the most exciting filmmakers working today. And I'm like super, super hyped for The Northman. I think it's going to kick major ass. Just be one of the hardest fucking movies of the year. And yes, sir. I am, I am like super hyped for it. I will be there day one. Did you see it. that there is going to be a naked sword Cocks fight out on the at volcano? a volcano? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. That is the type of filmmaking I want to see. Son. That is cinema. Let's we, go. Naked need... fighting on a volcano. Yes. <laughs> Especially if there's going to be dong. We need more dong in movies. Man, we need I, dong. I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Scarlett, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Um, yeah, dude. I, I remember I was talking to my friend about the Batman, and she was like, there's a sex scene, right? And I was like, no. We were promised uh, lame. cock and balls, and they did not deliver on that. But anyway. Um, the movie's me... rated R, right? No, PG-13. Yeah. That's whack. In fact, I think this one was supposed to be um, NC-17, but the studio was like, look, it's already black and white. It's already um, like a weird aspect ratio. Like we need, we're not going to make any money off of this. A24 did not fight for this movie to not be NC-17. NC they don't give a shit about ratings. Oh no, to Eggers, I mean. Because he wanted to, I think he wanted to make the lighthouse like cut into like a dick shape or something. Like, I mean, it is pretty phallic. <laughs> there are, there's a lot of phallic imagery in this film as it's well. It's gay. There this is. movie yes. is gay. It's and very gay and very horny. Oh, yeah. The best things a movie could be. Let's um, go. I heard someone say that, like, the witch was intense mythic femininity, and this one is just intense mm. mythic masculinity, which I could totally see. Um, That's fantastic. But I one last point that I wanted to bring up was the use of, like, Greek mythology in this. Um, yes. Greek or Norse? It's, it's Greek. Yeah, it's Greek. Greek? Okay, all right. Um, The one shot that really just burned into my fucking brain when I first watched this was... um Hypnosis? Yeah, the Hypnos um, reenactment. It was... Oh, I want that as a fucking painting, dude. And um, I found out that it was actually was a painting by... um, I forget the guy's name, but... Sasha Snyder. Oh, shit. Thank you. Right on the dot, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <Shit>. Always ready. <laughs> Honestly. Um, and uh, the painter was actually, all of his works are really homoerotic. And when he was making this, I think he was being threatened um, with someone outing him as gay because he was a gay man. Um, and I just think that's so cool with how like this movie is. Um but yeah, so beautiful detail. He's showing me. What are you showing me? Tell them. This is hypnosis. I'm showing you the painting, and it has a dong on it. Yeah, he scrolled right into that dong. Um. <laughs> anyway, it, it, what can I say? It catches the eye. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yes, the movie is extremely homo homo erotic, and it is a joy to watch. All right, Love so it. do we want to go ahead and get into final opinions? Yes. Sure. All right, I'll go ahead and start. I give this a four and a half. Um, I, I said it in my letterbox review, but the way that Willem and Robert just completely unhinge themselves in this movie and match Edgar's style completely, as well as like the technical aspects of this film, just it's fucking outstanding. 
Um, I don't, I don't have words for what holds it back from a straight five. Um, but four and a half feels right to me and that's good enough for me. Nice. I think I'm right there with you. I agreed with everything you said. Uh, the movie is a, it is fun to watch with a crowd, which is kind of funny. You have to have the right crowd, I suppose. But um, when you find the right people to watch it with, it's a joy to watch. And uh, it's haunting, unsettling, sound design, super sharp, A1. Uh, and the buildup to that horrifying last shot of Robert Pattinson, well, two of his last shots, one where he still is, you know, not eaten by birds and one where he is. Um, yeah, uh, just that buildup. And I really loved, I don't know, I like the inclusion of the mermaid as well. I thought she was an interesting mix uh, between this, this dynamic between these two men. And I don't know, like I, I can't, I am nowhere near qualified enough to get into the psychosis and psychology behind all that, but I do like the element that it brought to, to Pattinson's perspective and to just his development or really uh, de-evolution into what he becomes. Um, plus the mermaid just looked fucking horrifying, especially in the water. And uh, yeah, the movie is damp dark dank like i said i could smell the mold from watching it and the aspect ratio is fire there's not a lot to dislike about the movie and yeah four and a half out of five feels good for me good shit good shit so it's like a one for you scar yeah it was okay obviously no (laughs) um yeah no it's my favorite movie on this planet i will die on this fucking hill i'm giving it a five star out of five with a fat heart like on letterbox. <laughs> uh, and then I, I'm so sorry to go back really quick. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up about the Greek mythology is that um, Robert Eggers um, has said that uh, Willem Dafoe is the god Proteus, which is uh, the son of Poseidon and the keeper of the sea. And basically like a huge thing about him is that he's ever changing and he's shape shifting. Um, which I think is interesting with how like back and forth he is in the movie with like him being nice when he's drunk and him being um, just an asshole boss by day. <laughs> um, and then all bosses be like that. All bosses fuck capitalism, bro. Um, <laughs> <For real? laughs> and then uh, Pattinson is based on Prometheus, who's the Titan who steals the light the from the alien God. movie. Yeah. The alien movie, the one with no wow. <laughs> produced never... by Ridley Scott. <laughs> oh shit. I should see it. Um, and then he's a Titan who steals light from the gods to give it to mankind. And Zeus basically punished him by tying him to a rock and having an eagle pick at his liver every day. But because he's immortal, he just regenerates every day and it's just continuous. So yeah, this is all from Robert Eggers. Eggers. Um, yeah, yeah, no, he confirmed that it's basically just Prometheus and Proteus in a lighthouse. And, yes. Right, and I just with that final shot and just I mean everything about it, fuck yeah, dude, five star for me, dude. <laughs> I'm glad it held yeah. up for you the second time around. Yeah, thank you. I know you were worried about it. I was, I was. Heck yeah. All right, well let's get into some bad reviews for the movie. I found this one. Letterbox user King Beef says this movie is absolute trash. 
They try to bring you in with a start-studded cast, then under-deliver. The story has no depth, and the script has no direction. Waste of my time. <laughs> under-deliver, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> no depth? Really? the fuck were you watching? Anyway, y'all, what are y'all's takes on that? <laughs> I'm just mad. Moving on. <laughs> That's my take. Justin, you're muted. I forgot I cleared my throat <laughs> and muted when I did that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've been talking to myself. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was like, damn, he really ain't got nothing to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, damn. Sorry. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Mm, let me see. Let me see. Okay. Here's one that I feel like is a pretty common one. Nathan Brokaw, half star, watched 30 minutes, then turned it off because it was boring. Which I feel like is, again, like a general audience thing. Like, I'm sure yeah, mo- most people probably would find it to be boring, you know? And, like, yeah. I get, you know, that's fine. You're into what you're into, you know? However, I did find one review that I think is just the worst one that we've found so far. Just because a movie is in black and white and has Willem Dafoe doesn't mean it's good. That's exactly what it fucking means, asshole. Yes, if you precisely. Look that, yeah, if you look that up in a textbook, it'll be like, good, noun. Black and white with Will Defoe in it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, I got half star from this. This this would be actually a good a good uh thing to do. Uh, half star from from Come Lord Supreme. <laughs> do you think okay. that's PTA's burner? <laughs> Gotta be. Uh, so they say. Take a shot every time Willem Dafoe farts. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Which, I mean, no dialogue spoken, except we get two farts in the beginning before any lines. Like, Hell yeah. That should have told you what type of movie you were in for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now let's do a positive review to even things out. Uh, let me find one here real quick. All right. Demi Adajigwebwes. Fuck, this film is absolutely gorgeous. One of the best shot films of the year. Also one of the most grueling, disorienting, claustrophobic, psychotic films of the year. I'm not sure I even know what really happened, but I was captivated the entire time. I'm sure Defoe and the cinematographer are going to get shafted through award season, which they did, of course. But I hope they're both proud of their work. Shit, I really hope we get to see Eggers' Nosferatu. Oh, I forgot he was supposed to do that. Man, yeah. that would be amazing. He, I think he's. he's I think he's. Still, he's still planning to. Okay. I think it's after Northman. There are some, some titles, some IP, for lack of a better word, that you know a a filmmaker is perfect for, and Eggers is perfect for. For isn't, Nosferatu, isn't Clo- isn't Chloe Zhao doing a Nosferatu like a future sci-fi? Yeah, yeah, Nosferatu? Western. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that should be interesting. Her, I, I'm very interested to see her take on that. But an Eggers in a black and white, assumingly uh, Nosferatu. I've never seen the original one. I've always wanted to. Um, but that, that to me, just sounds like a match made in heaven. Yep. So down for that. And I also, <clears throat> going to that review you just read, where they say, I don't really know what, hap- what all was happening, but I was captivated by it. To me, that's the fucking point. 
You know what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly. Like, don't don't worry about what's happening. Just focus on the feeling that it's giving you, because that's that's the point. Okay. Anyways, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna read Luke's five star review. One of his five star reviews. He's seen this movie. They've seen this movie, um, four times. Four separate times. Do you want to try that again? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read one of Luke's reviews. They've seen this movie four separate times, so this is their second review. Uh, Luke says, you work yourself to death to complete insanity. You deprive yourself of any basic joy or pleasure. You sacrifice your own humanity, and for what? You think it will all be worth it just to reach that paradise, whatever it may be. The problem is that this paradise doesn't exist. It was never real. The only thing left for you is the endless void of the sea. And I wanted to read one of Luke's reviews because they they just have they just have a perspective on the movie that never occurred to my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like just that review alone was like, you know, nothing that I had thought of. And you know, all of, all of their reviews are like that in general. Uh, you know, just providing a unique perspective on this film in particular. And I don't know, just the idea of bringing the bringing the quote unquote American dream into this um, was a a component that I hadn't thought of, and it's an interesting one to absorb. So shout out to Luke. Yeah, that was beautiful. I love that review because, like, especially with like working yourself to death when um, it's flooded and uh, Willem Dafoe's logbook drifts over to him and he opens it. And he just reads mm. like drunk on the job, insubordinate. I recommend severance se- without pay. Severance without pay. When you know, in the beginning, he pretty much forced him to drink alcohol with him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, I would fucking teeter on insanity too if I read that shit. Like, <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of IRL bosses out there who would probably do some fucked up shit like that. Oh yeah, that's yep. retail. Anti boss. <laughs> Fuck that. All right, so now moving on to the next portion of the show, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching in between episodes. Justin, how about you go first? Cool, cool. Let me see. In between episodes. Okay, so I've only seen two. Uh, First one, we all, all three of us, watched it together. Uh, We watched The Godfather in a movie theater. In theaters, Dolby Atmos. It was a cinema. It was a beautiful experience. at least the tenth time I had seen that movie, uh, The Godfather is my father's favorite movie, so it uh, kind of already had a connection with me in that way. And uh, I mean, it's a perfect movie, I, at least to me anyway. It's a perfect movie. Um, it's perfectly paced. Watching it in the movie theater, there is not a wasted second in it at all. And I really love the the fading transitions that the movie has, like the, that specific cut where it's after we see the horse's head in that bed and it's, you know, it goes on a wide shot of the the dude's mansion. And then it just kind of dissolves into Don Corleone's face. And, and like, that's just one example of just, of just fire ass editing that is going on in that movie. Um, there's an, there's I mean, another moment like that, that I really love. It's a fading shot. It's a Don Corleone and it, his mustache turns yes. into the the tree in sicily yes beautiful and it's per- I mean, the movie is perfect the music is great the culture that it displays um feels very genuine feels very authentic i'm not italian of course but i don't know to me like I, the wedding to me was 
I mean, that was, I was like, wow, I want to be in this wedding right now. Like I want to be out there just like partying with these people. Um, and it was just, I don't know, the movie's perfect. I'm not qualified to, you know, really talk about it. Well, let me but tell you, I'm level five in a, in Italian Duolingo. It's it's pretty on the nose. <laughs> oh pretty on the nose, I will say. <laughs> There's always one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, perfect movie. I cannot wait to go see part two when it comes out in theaters because I will definitely be doing that. And then after that, I watched the... Wait a minute. Oh, have I not seen it? No, I, I think I mentioned in the last episode I watched this Thai... This yes. movie, right? Yeah, you medium. did. Um, the medium. Dang. So was it just one movie? You know that? It might have been. And actually, I think we might have mentioned The Godfather in the last episode. No. So maybe I haven't seen any movie. No. No, because okay, we went so to go was... see The Godfather after we recorded the the last episode. You know what? You're right. I just logged them backwards. So it looked like oh, okay. medium. Yeah. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so the Godfather. So yeah, that's the only movie I'd seen since All last right. last week. Well, that transitions perfectly because that was the first movie on my list. So if you want to hear my thoughts, um, Justin just said them. So <laughs> uh, after that, after that, um, I saw A Lesson in Love. It was my weekly Bergman. Pretty good. Good movie. Um, it's sort of teetering for me in terms of what it actually captured for me. But good craft. Uh, it's Bergman still trying to find his way, find his style. So good stuff what movie is this now seven or no that yeah, was seven. movie number nine nine okay number nine uh next up i'm watching the series uh scenes from marriage and then the movie version and then the sort of sequel which was his last movie Sarabond. so does the episodes from marriage scenes from a marriage they count as like each individual member of this 52 collection that you have or is the yes. entire thing one oh, okay yeah it, it all it all adds up to 52 okay gotcha and then after seeing that i uh finally saw spielberg's west side story thought that was beautiful Heck yeah dude um the the music in that was great i'm always reminded though like why the, the story doesn't grip me and it's just because it's fucking it, i don't know it's, it's fucking weird to me um especially tony and maria's relationship it's just like come on in both movies they never hit for me i've always been just more interested in anita and like and what anita she's and going Riff. on yes yes there's so much more interested in you know yeah. not the leading people in the movie yeah <laughs> the the scene that pops out for me though is when um uh remind me who who comes back in this movie? What's her, what's her name? Um, oh, um, goddamn, Rita, uh, Rita, Rita, Rita Moreno. Moreno. Yeah. Yes. Um, when she tells, uh, when she tells Tony that Marie is dead, and he just goes, like, "I got it. I've been seeing on, that wait, on the TV." Wait, hold today. on, hold on, wait. <laughs> he looked just like that too. <laughs> yeah, he looked just like that. <laughs> I'm sorry that that's the last image of me you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like a jump scare we should have given me a warning <laughs> uh but yeah if you don't know what i'm talking about i'm sure you've seen seen it memed <laughs> um but yeah and then uh on scar uh on scarlet and i's anniversary we went and go into uh Cinepolis, which is like a luxury alamo type theater where they bring food to you and we Where's saw that? it's a it's in the woodlands it is yeah. Oh, you know what? I, what's it called? Cinepolis. 
Sinopolis. I always said it's Sinopolis, but uh, yeah, but Sinopolis. It's actually pronounced wrong. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we saw Dog. What a dog shit movie. <laughs> Aw. But the dog didn't die though. Dog did not die. That was the only part that I really liked about the movie is the dog. And like I I if the movie focused more on their relationship rather than the fucking hijinks that they get into, would have been a a better movie for me. Hmm. Um has there ever since, been a good dog movie? I'm sure. Uh, since like she saw the movie with me, I'll let her give her give her thoughts on it real quick. Oh goodness, um, it was it, just. It doesn't have to be a lot. You can just. Okay, fucking... no, my review was like Remo- Republican moms are gonna have a fucking heyday with this one because <laughs> yeah. it's so just. What I what I did not know is that Channing Tatum co-directed it. Really? Yeah, did not know that. Why, Channing? it's so bootlickery and i'm gonna say it it's like it has a part that's like sort of anti-homeless like a homeless man steals like um a backpack from them and they go through a homeless and it's just i it's not the vibe dude it's fucking i give it a one star (laughs) um but yeah fair um next movie on the list is i saw ghost dog the way of the samurai i've always wanted to see that Movie fucking slaps. You can borrow my Criterion. It's it's incredible. Fuck it's yes. such a great movie. Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, right? Yeah, okay. Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> Stole the words right from my mouth. Uh, <laughs> so great in that movie. It's it. There's a lot that can be talked about. Um. About like uh, the portrayal of Ghost Dog and his relationships with everybody else in the movie and everything going on with like the city and shit and. It's just so good. Great movie. Great. Great piece of cinema. Then later that day, uh, Scarlett and I had watched the OG 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Masterpiece. We had never seen it, and holy shit. Fire. Oh, my God. Heat. From minute one. Mad heater. Heat. Masterful fucking filmmaking. I could write fucking college theses on single scenes from that goddamn movie it's so iconic and it fucking inspired so many different movies and props to you mama it fucking did it i've (laughs) always heard about like how great the dinner scene was i didn't prepare myself i don't think effectively for it insane that was just me with the movie in general like i knew it was probably gonna be gory right because that was kind of its thing but i I don't know it was it was very sorry astro was barking for whatever damn reason <laughs> uh, uh yeah it's very gory but it's i don't know it's, it's like very like horrifying as well gory without being like you know that's all that's all i really see is just these blood and guts but there's yeah. also it's extremely texan um and just very <laughs> uh, you know dirty and very very rural as well um just in its setting and uh I think, you know, there's probably a bigger, bigger discussion going on in the movie, uh, politically speaking. Um, you know, I, I know this movie was a kind of a response to like the food industry or whatever. I can't remember what exactly it was. The the Toby director, he had mentioned something about about it, uh, about that. It was like with the uh, it the was movie. like with the um, like the butcher business, essentially, kind of, I think. Yes. Yeah, right. 
because um, the new so, like the air gun had started putting people out of business because uh, a lot of butcher yes, houses couldn't yes. afford it. Yes. So it's a very political movie in that way, uh, which is not an element that I think you expect when you first watch it. Um, and that voiceover at the very beginning of the movie is perfect. The guy who like says the dialogue is really fucking great. Um, and yeah, that movie, I'm glad y'all watched it because that movie is fucking great. Really haunting score too. So oh, yes. yeah. some great shit. Great shit. It's very intense. minimal movie that does like a lot with a little bit. And even like in moments with the score, like there's one scene where one of the guys is just like walking to the house or something. And it sounds like they're just hitting like, like a pan or something. It's just like, dong, and then it kind of rings out and then they do it again. And it's just, you know, minimal stuff like that, that has a huge impact. So good stuff. Yes. I, ah. <laughs> good movie. I, I honestly don't have much more that I can say about it. You guys talked about it very, very well. It's fucking intense. The one scene, the dinner scene fucked me up, but the shit that I had to like physically look away from. Oh yeah. Was, there was only one part where hooks. she couldn't watch. It was, I, the, I it fucking, was the meat hooks. It yeah. was the meat hooks. She, he put that bitch right on that fucking meat hook. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it hurts. I can feel it. Um, What's the next movie? <laughs> was next, that it? No. Uh, next movie is the Batman. <gasps> El Man Bat. El Man Bato. And wow. Uh, I I think it, that it, I'm trying not to hype you up too much because you're literally about to go watch it, yep. but it, it fulfilled all my expectations and more. So I've seen enough takes on the internet to, I guess, have a, to maintain, maintain a neutral view on it still. You know what okay. I mean? Like I'm excited for it. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I've seen a range of takes where plausible takes you know, not just like bullshit being aired out, but like, you know, you know, people expressing specific parts in the movie or whatever without being too spoilery. Um, so I've seen enough of a range of opinions to, to, I guess, you know, kind of still be in the middle, you know what I mean? Cautiously optimistic, I guess you could say. So, I mean, I want to like the movie. I hope it's fucking awesome. I'll find out here in a few hours. I hope so. I expect a full thesis review in my text messages <laughs> and see like i like matt reeves like i really i really liked uh war for the planet of the ape war for the planet of the apes it's kind of a tongue twister and uh dawn of the planet of the apes which i think dawn was second yeah dawn's but, the second um, one. yeah i like i really like those movies i really love what he does with caesar and the apes and really just like the culture and tribe and world building that he does um this has a very similar vibe, I feel like, to those movies. So I think there's a lot of good stuff that's uh, that you'll like. That's good. Yeah, I fuck with those. Those movies are hard as hell to me. So I, you know, I like I said, cautiously, cautiously optimistic. Hope it's good. I expect it to be good, and I will definitely let you know when I watch it. All right. Well, that is the end of this episode. Scarlett, thank you so much for joining us again. Oh my god, thank you guys for having me. It's been so fucking fun. Of course, Heck it's yeah. always always a good time. And for all of you out there, if you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, you guys can always reach out to us on social media at Other Film Guys. Personally, I am at Living Mediocre, and I am at Rocketman Three. Just replace that O with a zero. 
Are you looking? She's at Scarmalades. Is this is it is it with the S at the end? I yeah. don't know. Shit, I'm a terrible person. Yes, it's it's with an S. Scarmalades. Yes. <laughs> and next week, uh, there won't be a normal episode, but we will have a bonus episode talking about the Batman. Uh, you guys will be able to find that on our Patreon, uh, which will be linked in the episode notes below, as well as um. A reminder to go rate and review us. God damn it. Let us Please know thank you. what you fucking think with a Please five star you. review. Please and, and thank your you. money. Double please and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that is it. Thank you everybody for coming to be here. And we'll see you next week on Patreon. Peace, y'all. Peace out.